0: Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Matthew chapter 14. It says immediately after this. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was alone. Verse 24 Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves about three o'clock in the morning jesus came towards them walking on the water and when the disciples saw him walking on the water they were terrified in their fear they cried out it's a ghost but jesus spoke to them at once don't be afraid he said take courage i am here and then peter called to him lord if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Twenty-nine, Verse 29, he says, Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. I love that beautiful text right there because it shows that even when things seem impossible, sometimes all you need is a word from God to do what apparently seems impossible and actually conquer it and do what others have called impossible is now the new normal for you. Amen. Can we close our eyes for a second? Father, we thank you that these next few moments we get to speak about your word. We get to talk about what you are doing in our lives through what you've done in so many people's lives as we read your scriptures. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we engage in this talk, that this may be much more than information being disseminated, but this may be transformation of our heart and our soul. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are being transformed even right now. That this word may be More than just for our Sunday in church. But this may affect our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, our Thursday, our Friday, our Saturday, and back again. God, We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to tell them the title to this message. Tell them, this ain't a piece of cake. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you ain't a piece of cake. You're a tough cookie. (laughs) <laughs> Tell them again, this ain't a piece of cake. This ain't a piece of cake. This ain't a piece of This ain't. Just saying it is not a piece of cake. This ain't. A piece of cake. This ain't. This ain't a piece of, cake. This ain't... This ain't a piece of cake. I'll help you out. You just got to say, you got to say cake. That's all you got to say. This ain't a piece of cake. Look at the person next to you telling me this ain't a piece of cake. You're just a tough cookie. <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask you guys a question. Do we have, is anybody that currently is a godfather or godmother, godparent, godparent ra- godparents in the house? Can you raise your hands? Awesome, 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 godparents in the house. I am a godfather, not like you think. I am a godparent, and um, I love being a godparent. Uh, you got to pray for me because I don't know how this happened, but I have eight godchildren. How did that happen? Like people actually trust me with their kids. It's a beautiful thing. I have eight godkids. I'm like, I know that's like Hispanic thing, but I didn't know that I was gonna end up with eight godkids. And that, and just to make matters worse. It's not only that I have eight God kids. One of my God kids is really not my God kid. This God child calls me their God parent. They call me Nino. But one day, pray for your pastor, because one day when that child grows old, I'm going to have to break them the news that I am not their real godfather. I'm going to have to sit that person down. And Mariah, I love you. And I'm going to have to look into her beautiful eyes and say... I am not your real godfather, but the good news is that even when your godfather abandoned you, I came into the picture and rescued you. I love being a godparent. You know why? Because the truth is, is that when uh, the parents of the children come to me and they say, "Hey, can our children come to, come to your house?" and can my godparent my godkids tell me, "Hey, can we come over to your house and just have a good time?" and and I love it because they get to come to my house and they get to spend time with my children and we get to, I get to beat them up when their parents are not around and I get to starve them when their parents are not around. and um, I don't know how they end up with their hand wrap and scars on their face, but we are praying for them. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. And uh, I love it because here's the beauty of it that no matter what goes on during the day, when I'm taking care of my God children, you know what's the beauty here? Is that they don't stay with me, they get to go home. I love that, I love that I, at the end of the day, I, they're not my responsibility. That if they end up with scars and they end up starved, guess what, it's not my responsibility, here you go. You better feed that child, because he's hungry. He hasn't ate in the last three hours. I promise you, Jeremiah comes to my house, and he's like, (laughs) no matter what he eats in the house, every time he goes home, he's like, Nino didn't feed me. I'm like, you liar. I gave you Skittles. What are you talking about? You ate Skittles. And so I love it because I get to bring them back, and they're not really my responsibility, so it it actually becomes pretty cool. Um, And so I, I, I have eight God children, and this is not an easy Thing, but I love that I get to bring them back because your pastor doesn't want any more kids. So I love that I get to bring them back because I get to enjoy them because they're cute and cuddly, but I really don't want any more kids. And this is one of the conversations that me and my wife had before we got married. It says, hey, you want any kids? And that, that might have been a deal breaker. Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa may have not been together. If Lisa would have been like, yeah, I want like three kids, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, God bless you, sister. I will see you later. That is not my calling. (laughs) But I came into the picture, and one of the things that we agreed on was that we didn't want any more kids. She had two kids of her own, and I had my two kids of my own, and so when we kind of came together, it was a beautiful thing, because we both agreed that we wanted to enjoy ourselves and have a good time and live kind of like this youthful life. I don't know how, because we are, you know, we're in our 30s. I'm not going to expose my wife's age. And... Uh, And and we just wanted to enjoy ourselves and enjoy life. But we didn't want any more kids. And I got to be honest, maybe my wife was a little, at times, my wife was a little vulnerable and emotional. And she blinked a couple of times and she would look at me and she'd be like, oh, maybe we should have a kid. And of course, after that exorcism and I rebuked the demons out of her, I said, woman, I've been faithful to my agreement and my covenant. And my covenant is that I said we will not have kids. And I'm going to be faithful to that. and Lisa has had moments in which she has wanted children and thank God I was able to see for the both of us and I rebuked her and you never want to call your wife woman, but in those times you may have to. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because uh, we are enjoying ourselves we don't have any kids because I mean let's be honest I have I have two kids I have two stepchildren I have Five nieces and nephews by one brother. You can tell we're Hispanic, right? And watch this. I have eight godchildren, and then I have, and then one of them is not really mine, man. I have eight godchild, eight godchildren, and then I have two Hispanic brothers who haven't had kids yet. Which means that there is an indefinite amount of god, of nieces and nephews that I may have in ten years. Pray for me. You know what I mean? But he, he, here's the thought. So, so I have too many kids in my life, and then I pastor a church that has plenty of kids running around, and so I'm going to be flooded and surrounded with kids. I do not want any kids, so I got to be honest. I get a little defensive when someone looks at me and my wife, and they say, "Oh, yes, that's so how oh you guys it's perfect for each other oh my god you guys would have such beautiful kids you guys should have a baby and i look at them like i get defensive oh my god oh my god you guys should have a you should have a baby what do you mean i should have a baby Don't project your emotional instability to be manifested in children in my life. We don't want kids in our life. The only reason we would want a kid in our life is to see how beautiful it would look like. And there are websites and apps for that. We don't have to go through that process. So I went online. (laughs) I went to makemebabies.com. And apparently, this is what Rolanda would look like. It looks like Marlon, doesn't it? It's like Matthew. No, this one looks like Matthew. No, do we have another one? That's Matthew right there. Makeyourbaby.com. Okay. Be careful with those Google searches, I'm just saying. So here's my my thought like we we don't want any children and you know i had this thought because how easy is it to tell someone that it's all it would be so awesome if you had a baby right because here here's a, the thought behind it when you say for someone else to have a baby you're 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 just thinking about how cute the baby would be right oh you guys would you know ellie and J- joey they're 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 recently married and uh it's, it hasn't been a year yet right hasn't it been a year wait give us some time and And so, you know, they, oh, you guys should have a baby. How easy is it to kind of just go up to someone and say, hey, you should, you know why? Because, you know, you're not going to have to give birth to it. Can I be honest, fellas? Can you consider your wife before you decide that you want to have a baby without her permission? That was too much? That was too much. Can you just consider, because you are not the one that's going to have to give birth to it. And so here's my thought, that oftentimes it's easy to say that because we are not the ones that are gonna have to give birth to the baby. But I thought also this, that many of us want to give birth to something, but we don't wanna go through the pregnancy. See, we wanna give birth to something in our life. We want to, we want God to give birth through us something, but oftentimes, we do not want to go through the labor let's be honest it's so, oh, so cute you can have a baby for you half thing now, are you gonna give birth to it oh no 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 that's for you my friend you see what i'm saying so see oftentimes we want the baby but we don't want to go through labor but there is no baby And there is no birth of a baby or birth of a ministry or birth of a calling or birth of a purpose without first there being labor. And there is no labor without any pregnancy. And there is no pregnancy without any conception. And there is no conception without any intimacy. See, oftentimes we're at this stage in life and we're like, could you imagine just walking into a clinic and say, yep, we're ready to have a kid. Hand it over. And we want the babies to be manifested in our life like the stork that comes and drops off a package before our doorstep. We have a baby, what? See, because it's so easy to have the desire to give birth to a baby without considering the process of pregnancy, without considering the process of conception, without wanting to be intimate, In order that you may conceive, in order that you may be pregnant, in order, and when you are pregnant, you're carrying on to something for a while before you actually give birth to it. Are you hearing me? See, I bring this up because oftentimes when we hear a message, this message about Peter walking on water is one of the most preached about message in all of Christian history. We talk about how powerful it is to walk on water. Doesn't it sound good to our ears that, man, you're going to walk out of here walking on water? I'm a water walker. I'm going to rise above. It sounds so good to say that we're going to walk on water. We're going to step out of our boat. It's going to be so good, right? Doesn't it feel good, at least emotionally, like, yeah, I'm going to walk on water today? What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds good. Right? Because, and and my thought was this, how oftentimes we wanna walk on water but we're not willing to go through the storm. How often it is that we want to walk on water but we do not want to go through the storm that we walk into. In the text today as we read in Matthew chapter 14, it says immediately after this Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen. I want you to consider two things. Number one, I want you to consider who sent them into the storm, and I want you to consider the time that the storm came. Now, this is interesting because oftentimes I think that we get very super spiritual and we start rebuking the devil because we are in the storm. And we think it's the devil sending the storm our way, but it's actually God sending us into the storm. Who's the one that's sending Jesus into the storm? I mean, I'm sorry, who's the one sending the disciples into the storm? It is not the devil. It is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm sending you into the sea where a storm will manifest. Have you ever been obedient to what God said over your life and found yourself in the middle of a storm? Yes. See, have you ever been so? Have you been obedient to God because you wanted things to become better in your life, but instead of th- things becoming better, they actually became worse. See, the thing is that oftentimes we look at the storms that we walk into and we see them as storms that that are being sent our way. We see as the devil sending problems our way, but it's actually God sending you as the solution to the problem. And the very thing you think is coming to drown you is the very thing that God is sending your way to crown you. See, oftentimes the very thing that God is sending our way is a platform disguised as a problem. Because the very problem that they were being sent into, they were meant to rise up and walk over. See, often I, 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 I can't imagine how many times we drown in the very thing that is meant to lift us up. We, and you know what we start doing? We don't know what to do because we're in the middle of a storm. We start rebuking the devil. Oh, devil, I'm going to bind you right now. And, the, and we, our prayer becomes 30, 50% talking to the devil instead of talking to God. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was no devil? Some of us wouldn't have a prayer life. <laughs> if there was no devil, you wouldn't know what to do. Like 80% of my prayer was rebuking the devil. What if it's Jesus? I've heard preachers say, I've heard preachers, oh, we were going to have an awesome service outside, and then it started raining. The devil didn't want people to accept Jesus. I took off my glasses to see if I could see them. Since when the devil has control over the weather, See, what if the storm was not meant so that you can cancel your event? What if the storm was meant for you to overcome in the middle of your event? And God wanted to see if you were willing to do what he called you to do in the first place, regardless what came your way. As a matter of fact, the storm might have been an elevator in your life so that you, God, can get more glory in your life had that storm not come. I can't tell you how many times Christ followers, and I'm not judging anyone, but I want to be honest with our family. I can't tell you how many times Christ followers drown in a puddle. And we're sinking and God is calling us to walk over. See, the storm was never meant, see, the storm is actually a stage in disguise. See, it's the stage that you're supposed to step over And God is sending it your way, but because it's not packaged like a stork delivering a baby and it's packaged in the form of a pregnancy, you never give birth to what God called you to give birth to because you're not willing to go through labor. Hear me, church. See, the very thing you think is meant to drown you is God sending your way to crown you. And the very thing that you think is going to take you over, God is calling you to walk over it. I want you to consider the timing of the storm. Because see, the timing of the storm is actually an indication and proof that you are closer to the other side than you think. The timing of the storm, notice when the storm comes. The storm comes while they're in the middle of the sea. See, I thought this because I think that many times when we see a storm in our life, we think it's God trying to punish us or we are walking in disobedience. And so we think that there's a storm coming our way because God is punishing us or the devil is after us. But I want to be honest with you. Sometimes the storm that God sends your way is because you are closer to your other side than you think. See, because if the storm would have come any sooner, you would have reverted back to the place he was trying to pull you out of. See, so oftentimes when I'm in the middle of a storm, it's not because the devil's trying to get me and the goblins and the demons and the, it's because God is trying to let you know that you are closer to the other side than you think See, and, all, and, and we cannot allow, as Jesus followers, we cannot allow the storm to drown us because we are closer to the other side than we think. See, at this side, there were one of the greatest miracles actually took place. How many of you heard of the 5,000 loaves that were multiplied by five loaves and two fish? 5,000 loaves came out or, or 5,000 people were fed. It was five loaves and two fish. One of the most epic miracles that Jesus ever did. About 12,000 people actually get fed, including uh, mothers and children. and, And this is the place that they are leaving from. See, because oftentimes God will call you to leave the place where some of the most greatest things have happened in your life. Because he's taking you to the other side. But let me be honest, this side feels real good. This side feels real good because, man, I, whoa, did you see that, Peter? Did you see how many baskets I was giving out today? You saw the way God was using me? Whoa, <laughs> Facebook dad, boy. Selfie with the basket. It's comfortable because God moved. It's awesome. The anointing is there, multiplication is there, and then God says, no, I need you to go to the other side. Eh? What What you mean? I need you to go to the other side. But I'm comfortable here. But I need you to go to the other side. See, because the other side, you're going to receive a deeper revelation of who I am. See, but before you can handle the deeper revelation of who I am, you need to see the revelation of who I am in the middle of your storm. Bye. See, because what you saw was my provision and I provided food for others. But you're going to see who I really am in the middle of your storm. And when food cannot sustain you, I can still sustain you. I want you to consider the timing of the storm. I want you to consider what they saw. See, because the Bible says that what they saw About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. And when the disciples saw him walking on water, look what this says. When the disciples what? Saw him walking on water. They were what? Terrified. They saw him walking on water and they were terrified. And they spoke out of fear. See, oftentimes what comes out of your mouth is dictated by how you see life. See, what they saw terrified them and their fear caused them to cry out. And I had this thought, if fear can make you cry out, what can faith do? See, because oftentimes, depending on where you are in your life, when you are consumed by fear, oh, you can tell what it is you're consumed by, by the things that come out of your mouth. For the Bible says that what comes out of your mouth is from the abundance of your heart. See, you don't need to, I I don't need to know all your 411. All I need to do is hear you talk. See, by hearing you talk, I can tell what's in your heart because the only thing that exposes your heart is actually your words and your actions. And oftentimes, what comes out of your mouth is directly connected with how you see life. And the Bible says that they saw Jesus walking, and I had this thought Jesus walking on water, and I saw, I said, What did Peter see that the disciples didn't? See, the disciples saw difficulty, but Peter saw destiny. See, when they saw Jesus walking on water towards them, they said, This is impossible. And I I got a crazy imagination, so I kind of see Peter kind of like, Lord, bid me to come. See, what they spoke was based upon what they saw. They were terrified. And they cried out in fear, the Bible says. But Peter says, Lord, bid me to come. Peter, are you sure about this? I'm going to tell your wife. I don't think she'll appreciate you walking on water. You got kids to worry about and you got eight God kids. You shouldn't do this. Peter, this is way too difficult. And oftentimes when our eyes are focused on the difficulty, we'll never, it'll always overshadow our destiny. But when we are focused on our destiny, we will always be willing to do the difficult. (laughs) See, that's why I don't look at the difficulty, because guess what? Difficulty is the name of the game, playboy. Difficulty is the name of the game. Can you imagine? Come here. Come here. Come here. Come, Joey. You come too. <laughs> We're at the Super Bowl. You're the coach. Coach, I want to win this championship, but I got a problem out there in the field. I get tackled sometimes. Coach, 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 please. What do I do, because I'm getting tackled. I didn't sign up for this tackling stuff. It's the name of the game. See, oftentimes we want to be champions, but we're not willing to get tackled sometimes. Thank you so much. <laughs> See, I can't, it's the name of the game. If you want to drive a car, you're going to always have to put gas in it. See, oftentimes we only see the difficulty, but we never see our destiny because we are overshadowed by the difficult problem that is before us. See, and we think that God is sending problems our way, but it's actually God sending the solution to the problem. We think it's the devil sending problems our way but it's actually not the devil sending problems our way it's there a problem that exists and god is sending the solution to the problem see god is sending the answer to the difficulty because he's calling people that are focused on their destiny and when you're focused on the destiny you'll always be willing to do the difficult part yeah i'm gonna get tackled yeah i'm gonna take one for the team but as long as at the end of this course, we're walking out as champions. Could you imagine playing a football game and you have your whole defensive lineman talking about, hey, I, I don't know about this stuff. We got to be pushing and shoving people and I don't know. It's the name of the game, brother. It's the name of the game. You want to walk on water, you might have to go through a couple of storms in your life. See, what oftentimes happens is that because we see the difficulty, we bow out. And we will never reach our destiny. And I want to talk to you because there are storms that come our way. And we complain about the storm coming our way. Because we've been through this storm too many times in our life. Can I submit to you something today? That maybe you're going through the same storm over and over. Because you haven't got it yet. See, because on the other side, what happens is one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus, they come to Jesus and they're like, oh my God, it was so awesome. The five loaves and the two fish and you did so much awesome stuff. And Jesus starts talking crazy. He's like, you got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. Say what? It's holy communion in the raw. You got to drink my flesh. And the Bible says, watch this, look what it says. The Bible says that those that were fed 5,000 began to walk away from Jesus. And the Bible says, and at that moment, many disciples began to walk away. You know who didn't walk away? Those that saw Jesus in the middle of their storm. Peter goes, Jesus turns to Son of Saddest Scriptures. Peter turns. Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, "Are you going to walk away from me too?" You know what Peter says? He says, "Where will we go? Where will we go?" I can tell you. Go back to your family and live a comfortable life. He says, "Where will we go?" He says, "You are the giver of life." in all you everything is per everything every purpose is found we've seen you in the middle of storm i just came from walking with you on water jesus where will we go because anywhere we go without you is actually a place called nowhere see because in the storm you pick up the ingredients and the equipment you need to do what god has called you to do and here's the thing that what god calls you to do he will never call you to do without him. Because if you can achieve a dream without God, then your dream is not big enough. See, God sets the bar so high that you know you need to depend on him. Because he needs you to be ready for the other side to deal with the conversations that he wants to have with you. But before he has those conversations, he doesn't want you to go back like many of the disciples did at that time. In the storm, they picked up everything that they needed to be able to have those difficult conversations. And so, there are no shortcuts. I remember my wife, the difficult process. I remember my wife, when, I that came out wrong. My wife was like, uh, she, she, a couple of weeks ago, she preached for the first time at Kuhau. How many were blessed by that? But I remember my wife, when uh, she—that's how she fell in love with me. She heard me preaching, (laughs) and she came to my altar call. Now I'm just joking. (laughs) That's not in my notes. And uh, my wife was like, "How do you how do you preach like that?" And and I was like, you know, because I was teaching on the Book of Acts during that season, and I was teaching teaching the history of what happened in the ancient church during the book of Acts and all the things that were happening. And I was like, and I said something like, yeah, it takes me about maybe eight hours of preparation before I can actually give a half an hour message. Eight hours of preparation. And if you ever spoke to any preacher, any communicator, we know that the preparation process is much longer than the platform experience. And so I remember my wife was like, Wait a minute. You study? <laughs> it's one of those questions that you don't you have to twist your neck. What do you what do you mean? No, I, I thought that the Lord gave it to you. That's so flatter that's so flattering, baby. Thank you. Right? She, even though she wasn't my baby at that time. She was someone else's baby, but I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> you said that too? Lord, forgive us. Anyhow. And I was like, <laughs> we're honest in this church. Make sure you delete, out, delete that out the video. I thought the Lord gave you all that as a like, like rhema from heaven. And I was like, are you serious? Like, you know how many hours I have to spend? See, and often we see what God, the way God uses people and we want what we see God do in people's lives but not willing to do the thing <laughs> that God has put them through in order for them to get to where they are today. See, I, 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 I love it because there are no shortcuts this there's no shortcuts to this you know and oftentimes we want a shortcut we want the quick let me tell you there are some things in life that are not worth doing fast there are no shortcuts to this thing it's like pastor how did you become a pastor you really want to know my journey to become a pastor started me djing DJ. (laughs) What, What does that have to do with pastoring? Because there were things that I needed to learn as a DJ that I would one day begin to use as a pastor. See, there are things that I needed to pick up in my tool belt in order to be equipped to do what God called me to do here. I was a DJ. Get this, I was a DJ. Then I signed up for Bible Institute where I started learning about the Bible. I was a DJ at 17. I was in school at 18. Then I began to be a youth pastor dealing with youth. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. All right? Then I became an evangelist because I was preaching in different parts of this nation trying to figure things out. And I was rapping. I had pars. You're welcome, Andy Mineo. I still got bars, right? Don't call it a... Somebody better call the paramedics. I know. Then I was in, I was rapping for 10 years. I'm still. Get, listen, I was good. I was still getting royalties. I'm just saying. Yeah. Rapping for 10 years. How did I become a pastor? Well, yeah, God put me through pieces that I needed to equip myself to where I needed to be. See, we want the platform and we want the stage, but we don't want to go through the problem and the storm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, then, then, then I became a pastor's assistant. And you know what that means? When you're the pastor's assistant, you do everything he doesn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, you know you know what that means. That means I was 19 years old. What, what do you need? You got it. I get you, let me get you some coffee. I don't feel real pastor. I know God called me to God called me to pastor. I'm ready for my <laughs> moment, God. I'm ready. You see, I, I think God I went vegan. I lost some pounds. I could do that now, and. I'm ready. Huck, come again? Oh, you want me to clean the bathroom? I got you, Pastor, I'm gonna clean the bathroom. Whew, I get emotional just thinking about those moments because it was God preparing me for this moment. See, I needed to know how to start a church from the ground up because there would be one day that God would call me to do the same. But it was in the bathroom while I cleaned the floor That God was preparing me so that one day I would go into people's houses, call their hearts to help them clean all the filth that they have inside. What what do you need? Oh, you need me to wait in the church all day while a delivery happens. Sure. They didn't have cell phones at that time. There was no electricity because they didn't turn on the 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 lights in the building yet oh, well you, you need me to wait the whole time while they put the rug on the floor. I'm there, pastor. I'm there. I'm, there. I'm there. Whatever you need. And I did that for three years because God was equipping me. I did not preach. I did not make salvation calls. I didn't do altar calls. I was just in my season of preparation because I was willing to do the difficult because my eyes was, were focused on destiny. It's the name of of the game. My, my good friend, Joe Barnes, if you don't know him, you you might know him as the quiet white guy in the side. (laughs) He's an amazing, amazing, amazing prayer warrior. God uses him so mightily. I can't tell you how many times. He always thanks me for what I've been in his life, but I can't, think how many times he's been a blessing in my life and he's prayed for me because even when i'm up here on the altar he's praying for me at three o'clock in the morning i don't appreciate you texting me at three o'clock in the morning but i (laughs) i thank you that you are praying for me and guess what and god i know called him has called him also to be a pastor one day and god is using him as a prayer he serves uh with john here as john leads the prayer council he serves with but guess what he He's in his process, and I say, Joe, man, I need, I, need you to, um, I need you to help out at Ignite. Now, he's never been to an Ignite, so he doesn't even know what he's signing up for. And he's like, Pastor, whatever you need me to do, I said, I need you to play Jesus. He said, Jesus is not bold. I said, but he's good looking, so you're okay. (laughs) See, even though he's not called to play Jesus in the drama for Ignite, he's willing to do the difficult because he knows that one day, God is putting the pieces of the puzzle together. This ain't a piece of cake. This ain't a piece of. See, what we want in our prayer life is, God, I want a piece of cake. Don't worry about it. Mind your business. (laughs) I can't eat it because it's not vegan. It's ain't a piece of cake. And what we want is like, God, we want to walk on water, but we don't want to go through the storm. God, we want to walk on water, but we're not willing to leave our comfort zone. God, we want to walk on water. And oftentimes our prayer life is, God, use us. And then we start complaining when God uses us. Figure that out. I've heard a lot of people complain about the thing that they ask God for. God, send me a husband. God, take away this husband. (laughs) Not my wife. (laughs) See, but God will put you through the storm over and over and over and over and over again until you get what you need to get so that you can get to where you need to go. Can I submit to you, maybe the reason you keep going over and repeating that storm it's not because God wants to torture you. He's just waiting for you to rise above it. Right. Oh. Okay, you got dr- you drowned it this time. Here we go, you know what happens? He picks Peter up again. Okay, here we go again, you ready? Here, here, the storm is coming your way, or you're coming towards the storm. It's okay. Are you gonna drown, or are you gonna be crowned? Wow. Are you gonna drown? Here, here it here it comes again. Are you, uh, can I be honest with you? Sometimes the church is not the problem. Shando lobo como? Siga manda. Sometimes, you know why? Because wherever you go, you're taking you with you. You know, I, I, it's like God, uh, uh, listen, if you have, please hear me, please hear me. I, I wanna be careful with. I say this because I, I talk to all our speakers from the pulpit and I said, we should never condemn anyone from the pulpit. I, I just don't believe that there is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. But I wanna tell you something. There, you keep, there are people that God keeps sending your way, and you keep wondering why. Maybe they're not the problem. Maybe those are the people that God is sending your way so that you can get what you need to get in order for you to go where you need to go. Yeah. If you keep finding yourself in the same kind of relationship, in the same kind of situation, maybe those are the storms that you keep allowing to drown you, but God is calling you to walk over. He's just saying, man, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for you to walk over it. This ain't a piece of cake. And so we pray, God, I wanna be a water walker, but I don't wanna walk, I don't wanna go through the storm. God, could you just give me a piece of cake? No, son, this ain't a piece of cake. But this is what I'm praying for, God. I want some enemies. Just want some. <laughs> I want some enemies, God. Please, can you give me an enemies? And we think that, it, that that's how prayer works, right? God, I want an I want an enemies cake. Here you go, my child. Nah, no, this ain't a piece of cake. Because God is not gonna give you a handout. This ain't a piece of cake. This ain't a piece of cake. Stop trying to grab it. <laughs> This ain't a piece of cake. See, we want to pray for this. But every time we pray for this, God actually is saying you already have it. But the problem is that God doesn't give you this when you pray for a piece of cake. He doesn't give it to you. You know what he gives you? In one season in your life, he'll give you baking soda. Because he knows that one day you're going to need it. He'll give you another season in your life that he's sending you. He's going to give you the eggs. I'm like, and you're looking at what God puts in your lap, and you're like, what am I going to do with this? He says, hold on to it. Because you're going to need it.
1: God, I want a piece
0: of cake! No, this ain't no piece of cake. Grab that baking soda and grab the eggs. Then he's gonna give you soy milk. Uh, Then he's gonna give you organic coconut flour. And you know God's Hispanic, so he puts his flour in a coffee. God, can I have a piece of cake? No, this ain't no piece of cake. Son, this ain't a piece of cake, daughter. But I'm giving you the ingredients. And there's a season in your life, and that's why I thank God for every season in my life because every season in my life, he's giving me something. He's giving me a little bit of salt. He's giving you a little bit of sugar. He's giving you a little bit Can't do it without the vanilla extract. God, I want a piece of cake. No, no, I am equipping you. I'm not gonna give you what you're. I'm gonna give you what you're asking for, but it's not gonna be packaged in an entomins wrapper. In an entomins box. Oh, I'm gonna give you a baby, but you gotta be willing to labor you got to be willing to go through the pregnancy. You have to be willing to go through the intimacy. You've got to be willing to see the conception. Have, and guess what? If you're not conceiving, then you need to be more intimate. Okay. We want the package. We want the package, but God says you can't have the patch, package without going through the process. See, because if we just have this, you know what we do? We become consumers, and we just consume the cake. We got a 1,000 calories in our belly. But when God equips us to be bakers of the cake, not only can we consume the cake, but we also can show someone else how to make it. Come on, if you believe that, give God some praise all over this room. So thank God when you get the butter, even if you're not vegan or vegan. Because you're gonna need it. Thank God when you get the flour. No, but God, I just want the piece of cake. Nah, my child, please, please, please hear me. The saint, a piece of cake. And we want the package, but God is giving us the ingredients that we need in order to get to where we need to go. Because trust me, if you get to where you need to be without the being equipped for what if you miss out on these seasons, you'll never be able to accomplish what God called you to accomplish, And you'll find yourself walking away from Jesus because what he's telling you is way too hard. No, you, you're on the other side. Ta-da! I'm ready. I'm ready for my cake now. No, you missed the eggs in that season. You missed the milk in that season. You you missed the butter in that season. My child, you need to go and get what I'm trying to equip you with so that you can be where I need you to be. Oh, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult, but that's the name of the game. You know, where God is calling this church is in a difficult place. Where God is calling us to be, it's in a... It is a challenge. And just that we have our individual challenges and we have our individual circumstance, what God is calling us to do, guess what, church? Guess what, Kuhal? It ain't a piece of cake. What God is calling Christ Uncensored to do is no piece of cake. But you know how Peter was, with, was able to walk on water? He considered the one that was calling him. See, when you consider the one that is calling you, you're able to do everything he's called you to do. You know why? Can you think, think about this? Think about this. And uh, Sister Fran mentioned it. She said, you know, we, we, we had heart to give day, and we were able to raise the money that we needed to raise. But something that Pastor Ralph Castillo said from this pulpit, he said, I don't just pray for heart to give day. I pray that every week, 52 days out of the week, we always remember the one that has called us to give. Do you, you, isn't it crazy that there are people in this church community that are willing to say, hey, we give 10% of what God has given us because we consider the one that has called us. See, if I just look at the 10%, then I'll never give it. But if I look at the one that has called me, I will always give it because he's called me to do the difficult. But as long as my eyes are on my destiny, then I know that I get to keep 90%. Do you know why there's people here that come? at 9 o'clock in the morning because they've seen destiny, not difficulty. Do you know why people will show up at 8.30 at the school come May 7th? Because their eyes are focused on the destiny and they know that what they are going to obtain in that season is something that God wants them to get so that they can be where they need to go. It is difficult. There's no doubt about it. Do you know why people throughout the week are putting in hours so that the church can move forward? It's not because it's convenient. It's not because it's easy. It's not because it's a piece of cake that they are consuming. It's because they know that God is equipping them. And God is preparing them for the next level in their life. See what Kuhao is, is not just a place that needs help. See, oftentimes that the messages, the message that we send here is, hey guys, we need your help. Throw us a lifesaver, guys. We need your help, so we need everyone's participation, and we need everyone to tithe, and we need everyone to give of their time and their treasure and their talent. But no, that is not the message that God wants us to share. He's saying this is the natural progression of what I've called you to do. See, I didn't call you to warm up seats for a lifetime. I didn't call you to be a spectator. I've called you to be a participator in expanding the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's not convenient. Yeah, you might have to do things that are not part of your calling, so it seems. Yeah, you didn't sign up for this, but needed the disciples when they head out out to the storm. But God knew that the storm will come in the middle of the journey because he needed to let you know that you needed to be so deeply involved and so profoundly impacted that you would not regress when the storm came. And so I want to submit to you today as we begin to close. In your bulletins, we have a form. And my prayer is that everyone, I want to put one of these in everyone's hand, even if you're not going to fill it out. I just, if you don't have one of these forms, could you lift up your hand? I just want you to, if you don't have it, can you lift up your hand? And I need our, our ushers. And could we... Make a commitment today. Lift up your hands if you need one, please. I'm going to ask everyone, if you don't have one, even if you're not going to fill it out, I just want to put it in your hands. Lift up your hands if you don't have it. If, you, if in your bulletin, there should, we, there should be one. In your bulletin, there should be one, but if you don't have one, we want to put one in your hands right now. Does everyone have one? Does everyone have one? Right now, we have about six people in our love team. Our love team are the greeters, the ushers. You know when you walked in through those doors and you had someone shake your hand? In our new location, we need about, at least minimum, about 10 people. This is the team that, on the inside and the outside, this is also gonna be Kuhau Cafe. These are the greatest needs in our church right now. But our message isn't that we need. Our message is that are you willing to be equipped? Are you willing to be, allow yourself, allow God to prepare you? And so Rhodey, our roadie team is our setup and tear down team. This is the team that puts everything together. In the school that we're going to go to, it's not going to be like when we can walk and we could just start church. We're going to have to set up the sound equipment. We're going to have to set up pipe and drape. We're going to have to set up the projectors. See the projectors in this church? They're already there. They fly already. In the new location, we're going to have to set those up. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be inconvenient. But I promise you, it's going to be worth it. Because it's what God is placing on your two belt. It's what God is equipping you with. You might not understand how this fits in your calling, but trust me, one day you will make sense of it. And God will show you. See, the reason that you went through that storm, the reason that I was equipping you, the reason that you were putting up pipe and drape when you was like, I need to be preparing my sermons. The reason There's a purpose behind So we need help in roadie, in our roadie team. To be honest, anybody that's volunteering, that might, be our, that might be the highest demand. Next week, the roadie team may not even know what we're doing. We might be like, I, I hope this goes here. But it's okay. So we need, yeah, we all hands on deck because we're family. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill this out. Put your name, your phone number, and your email. And I want you to select here and say, count me in, Kuhau. Count me in. Sunday, May 7th. You can count me in for one day. Maybe some of us can be more committed than others, and we understand that. We understand not everyone can volunteer every single Sunday. We understand that fully. But maybe you say, Pastor O, you can count me on one Sunday, and I'll be there May 7th. You can count me in. I'll be there at 8.30 in the morning at the school, 80 Monroe Avenue. Count me in May 7th. Maybe you say, you know what? I can sacrifice two Sundays. We're going to need all the help we can get May 7th and May 14th. Maybe you say, May 7th and May 14th, you can count me in. I am there. I'll be there at 8.30 in the morning. So I want you to fill out. Maybe you say, hey, Pastor Ro, you know what? I'm going to go on this journey. What you said today really impacted my heart, and I think that God is preparing me. I don't make full sense of it right now, but I know that God is preparing me, and you could count me in for six weeks. You could count me in for the whole month of May, and you could count me in for some of June. Or maybe you're saying, Pastor Ro, I want to try this for three months and see where the Lord takes it. There are people in this church that have been serving all year around. Because they believe that this is what God is preparing them for. This is what God is calling them to do. Odin has been serving this church for the last three years. He's going to be leaving us in a month. And I know that no matter where Odin goes, I can say with true conviction that God has prepared him for it because I've seen his body of work in this house. And though I'm praying that he doesn't leave because he's so good, um, during the time that he will, I know he'll be prepared. And so would you just take a few seconds? Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.